The Cannabis Conversation. A European perspective on the emerging legal cannabis industry. Welcome to the Cannabis Conversation with Anuj Desai, where we explore the new legal cannabis industry by speaking to the professionals that are helping to shape it. Welcome to the 101st show. Thanks again for last week. It was great to celebrate the 100th. I had a great response, some lovely, lovely messages from a lot of people. So thank you for all of, the, all of those. Definitely felt a bit weird, but actually quite a nice opportunity for me to talk a bit about what I am doing and how I'd like to help people. So very grateful to Tom Gray for stepping into the Joe Rogan seat and leading the questions. Very nice of him. Lovely guy. I would highly recommend getting in touch with him if you are looking to hire or indeed just need any advice on talent and HR in this space. Uh, He's a font of great knowledge. I was a little bit nervous about this, actually, which feels a bit weird after 100 shows. But like most things in life, it's a great satisfaction once you're through it. And it feels like a great launch pad for new things. Uh, You'll also notice that I've jazzed up the logo a bit and and changed things around. So it feels like a bit of a fresh start. I'm I'm fortunate to say I'm, you know, talking to quite a lot of different people. And it just sort of reinforced why I love doing this. Because I'm speaking to people all over the world who are involved in cannabis in a variety of different ways. People like commodity traders, extractors, scientists, cultivators, investors. Huge opportunities to learn and try and connect the dots for people. It's really fascinating. So, of course, if you do need help yourself, please do contact me at www.canverse.global. Always open to a chat. In some news, we have seen this week that there's been an announcement that Morocco is looking set to legalize cannabis medically, which is quite notable because it's a very large illegal producer, actually. But crucially, it cited the UN decision at the end of last year as a reason why it's changing its approach. So hopefully this will lead to more countries following. Today's show is also quite topical. We'll be discussing the recent GW Pharma deal. So I hope you find it useful. Enjoy. On today's show, we welcome back Oliver Zugel. Oliver's been a previous guest on the show. He is CEO and founder of Volumed, who are a producer of pharma-grade cannabis extracts in Colombia. Welcome, Oliver. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and thanks for having me here today. No, really appreciate it. It's a very kind of topical subject we're going to be discussing a bit later, which is about the recent acquisition of GW Pharmaceuticals. But before we get on to that, and uh, you know you've been on the show before, but perhaps for some of the listeners that didn't catch that episode, would you mind just giving us a bit of a background about you and how you got into the cannabis industry? Yeah. Going back, I'm an economist originally from the London School of Economics and started working with a group of professors from the Harvard Business School, Michael Porter, a strategy guy for 15 years. I then became CEO of a publicly listed gaming company, which had operations in seven countries. And I did do my first cannabis venture in 2016. I created together with a local partner, a extraction company in Las Vegas in Nevada and created Folumed, which is purely medical, in 2018. Fantastic. And do you want to tell us a bit more about what Folumed does and products and markets you're looking at? So we are cultivating and extracting in Colombia, which gives us a 
significant cost advantage over people in the Northern Hemisphere. We then are selling that product either directly as bulk or in finished product forms, primarily to countries like Australia and Latin America. And uh, we have a partnership in Germany, a joint venture with a pharmaceutical company where we are doing finished products under EU GMP, so the good manufacturing practice. And that's what we do. Fantastic. How is it all going in Colombia? You know, it's quite a bit of cannabis action in Colombia, quite a few businesses there. How are you finding it all? Yeah, so in the industry started there five years ago, and there was a lot of hype at that point in time, people raising a lot of money, public listed companies emerging. Then I think over the last couple of years, uh, investors were feeling that the speed of progress was slower than what they would have hoped for. So some people started to become skeptical about the potential of cannabis coming out of Colombia. And frankly speaking, the low-cost only speech uh, as it relates to Colombia is necessary but not sufficient for what we're doing. You need to have the quality angle and the pharmaceutical capability when you're operating in the markets where we're operating, which are pharmaceutically shaped markets. And I think uh, by now, 2021, one of our industry competitors enlisted on the NASDAQ. They are also EU, they have a EU GMP capability. I think 2021 is when Colombian yeah, product will really become yeah, more well-known in the major medical cannabis geographies. Mm, exciting times then. That sounds great. And so obviously, you know, this is quite topical and you've got some great insights on it. The GW Pharma deal, which was just announced uh, in the last couple of weeks, before we go kind of in-depth on your, your insights and your take on it, do you want to give us a bit of background on the deal, who the parties are and, and what's involved? Well, yes. So Jess is an Irish company, relatively small in the, big, in the world of big pharma, specialized on uh, sleep disorders and oncology. A GW Pharma UK firm has been around for 20 years and is a true unicorn, I think, in the world of pharmaceutical cannabinoid medicines done a great job introduced epidiologues uh, epidiologues a couple of years ago they have sativex which is a thc cbd product in the pipeline so very unique franchise yeah and what sort of sums are we talking about that are involved for this deal well they paid uh, they valued gw at seven billion dollars and I think they themselves traded about $8 billion, so it's a very sizable acquisition in the cannabinoid space. Now, it's the biggest, I think, uh, acquisition in the cannabinoid space as far as pharmaceutical companies are concerned. Sure. And we'll get on to your personal take on it, but what has been the general reaction to the deal by industry observers? And we, we've, the cannabis industry has been quite lucky in the last few months. It's been a steady stream of big and good news. But how does this sort of rank in, in all that? Yeah, well, first of all, if you judge it by the reaction from the capital markets, you know, the share price of Jazz is up by over 15% since the announcement was made. And that's despite a number of concerns I think many investors had about the deal. Yeah, firstly, you know, GW is a quite big fish to swallow for the Irish company, you know, which is, as I said, a relatively small player compared to Big Pharma, about tenth of the size of Johnson Johnson. Secondly, Analysts were concerned of JS needing to put a lot of debt on the balance sheet to actually finance the acquisition. And thirdly, JS paid a 50% premium of the previous day trading price for the company and 12 times 
a multiple of 12 times on sales of last year's sales, when most of the pharmaceutical companies you know, trade actually at a multiple to EBITDA around 16 times. So it, there were people who were concerned it being a deal with a lot of debt and uh, done at a relatively high valuation. But I think the markets uh, have reacted quite positively to it. Great. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to to give that context. Thank you. And so what, what do you think is behind this sort of positive investor reaction? So GW clearly is a unicorn in the, in the cannabinoid pharmaceutical industry. They have been around for a long period of time, spent a lot of money on, the, on research and development, the sales performance of Epidiologues, their flagship product has been strong, $500 million within a period of just two years. And they have a solid pipeline of other cannabinoid drugs, including Sativex and, and, and other newer products in there. And so investors, I, I think, yeah, they pay for what's in the future, not so much of what's in the past. So yes, it would appear that paying 12 times sales to some people appears to be high, but ultimately you know, the investors will do a cash flow forecast and figure out what else is to come. And I think they were convinced that there's a very compelling business case for what they have in the pipeline. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've read a couple of articles that said that, that it was quite a good deal actually for jazz as well. So I guess there's some people who think there's some value in that. It's probably, again, based on forward projections. And then there seems to be a general buzz around the industry, you know, so, so other businesses are, are, are very happy about it too. Maybe can you give, give us your take on that? Yeah, well, lots of guys from the medical cannabis and even recreational cannabis field you know, were celebrating the deal. And my, my take on that is that many of them just got carried away you know, and uh, saw themselves as the next GW to be acquired by a big pharma. Uh, that, in my mind, is either a result of uh, wishful thinking, a poor understanding of the industry or plain disingenuity, which unfortunately in our space we see a bit too much of. Reality, though, is that you know, medical cannabis companies operate in a very different business model from GW. You know, GW is a classic pharma business model with lots of R&D, intellectual property, regulatory approvals, and your very long development timeframes. We're talking 20 years. This is uh, you know, how long they've been around. If you compare that with uh, most medical cannabis companies today, they have relatively limited intellectual property portfolio and you know, they make their money by selling cannabis extracts and flour without marketing authorization, so with, not with a patented uh, model, you're under special regulatory regimes. So it's cannabis, but it, frankly speaking, it's two very different businesses. Yes, but but still, it hasn't stopped people from, from getting excited and maybe co-opting the news slightly. <laughs> and so, you know, to build on that, you know, in reality, has it got much to do with US MSOs and Canadian LPs? What would you think? Reality is very, very little. And that's why I said GW is a unicorn. And the, the gap to the next company is uh, in the pharmaceutical field is very large. So I don't really think so. It does those signal something, I think, which is well understood, which is you know, that the medicinal potential of cannabinoids in a truly pharmaceutical sense, I think, has been confirmed or validated by the deal. And that's of relevance to guys in the medical cannabis field and the adult use field. So there is clearly now, I think, a bet that the science will support you know, the efficacy and applicability of cannabinoids as, as a traditional pharmaceutical medicine. That's really important and, and therefore should be celebrated by anyone who is in the business. Because, in fact, you know, the more clinical research is being done, the easier it will be you know, to convince doctors and regulators of the plant's medicinal value. And that's what we all need to broaden the patient base. 
And, you know, I would also argue that, you know, none of the medical, let alone recreational cannabis companies would be able to do the R&D on the scale, even close to the scale of what GW has been done. And, and so therefore, I think it's a good thing that pharma paves the way on this. And finally, I think it does show that our market is maturing and that the you know, time has come for medical uh, cannabis companies to start thinking about how they compete you know, within the, this, this industry, which is starting at not yet to be of age, but uh, it certainly is starting to mature. Yeah, that's really interesting. Could you go into any more detail on that? Well, if we go back five to 10 years, the way you were making money at that point in time in, in cannabis was you, get, you were getting a license, you build a large grow and sell product, which pretty much looked the same across the globe. And I think we are now seeing that regulators will not accept outside of North America products which haven't been manufactured to pharmaceutical standards. And this will seed out a lot of the competition. But I think everyone now is being faced to making tough choices and see how I'm going to compete. Am I going to compete by being the guy with the lowest cost? I have more intellectual property than anyone else. I have a brand which really matters, particularly in the adult use space. Or am I competing on distribution? And reality is that doing it all uh, will not work anymore. And this is like that in every maturing industry, right? At some point in time, the vertically integrated model, let's do jack of all trades, starts breaking into little subsegments. And I think the, the this deal clearly demonstrates this. And uh, my expectations is that we will see an increasing number of pharmaceutical cannabis products in, in the market with marketing authorization which will challenge, I think, the status of medical cannabis. And that's something I think everyone in our industry should be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, it it has a huge impact on everyone. So, yeah, again, thank you for that context. So do you think that, you know, cannabis will just end up being another medicine on big farmers' menu? No, I don't think so at all. I think your pharmaceutical cannabis, in my mind, will be targeting specific disease states like epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, oncology, Potentially Alzheimer, there's some development underway. But these are very serious illnesses and therefore can justify the high price a pharmaceutical cannabis product needs to carry to produce a return on the very heavy R&D investments and the long time which is needed to generate them. Now, if you're looking at other ailments, what I call the modern society ailments, say, stress, anxiety, sleep disorder, chronic pain. I I think medical cannabis, therefore, is, I think, much more affordable and easier to access as long as the product safety profile and efficacy can be assured. So my personal view is that the medical cannabis industry isn't about curing cancer or refractory epilepsy, but it's about improving the the life and well-being of an aging population, which is suffering from health issues, mental and personal, which are associated with our lifestyle. That's how I think the two spaces are separating between the pharmaceutical companies and the medical cannabis companies. And just achieving that, i.e. producing an an affordable medicine for contemporary ailments, as I call it, is no easy task. And very different you know, from an effort involved to run a full pharmaceutical development program, you know, which has randomized uh, double-blind clinical trials associated with them for many years. Yeah, I mean, it, we do talk about it a lot on the show, but I think that was a really useful distinction between medical and, and pharmaceutical. So thank you for that. I think if I may say, 
probably one of if you talk with outsiders often not very well understood right the, the boundaries between pharmaceutical cannabis on the one hand which is a business cbd health and wellness you know on the complete opposite side i think of the spectrum you know one is a research business the other one is a market marketing business and i what i'm arguing is that the medical cannabis business we need to sort out what we want to be i mean are we going to be marketing businesses or are we going to be research and development businesses and i think that's really becoming clear with this deal uh, and that's a reflection i think all of us uh, need to go through yeah absolutely i mean i, g- I guess one of the bits where medical fits in is this is, is revolves around the plant i guess you know and there are lots of enthusiastic notions of entourage effect and polypharmacy and these sort of things i'm not sure how much evidence there is for that yet i hear kind of slightly conflicting viewpoints on this so i guess you're right it's medical wants to figure out where it is exactly yeah that i think is clear and you know let's remember i mean the gw product is a botan is derived from botanicals so i think the boundaries here really are somewhat blurred but what is very clear is to play in the pharmaceutical field you, know, you need to have research and development capability long pa- a patient investor base right someone who invests in pharma i think will certainly not invest in adult use can- cannabis and perhaps he will invest in medical cannabis but it's really kind of a different business and what, as i said before what i think is that the medical cannabis industry we have a risk of getting sandwiched here in the middle so uh, you need to pick your path somehow sandwich between on the one hand the pharma guys and the other one the call it unregulated you know cbd space which at least my expectation is i think will no longer be unregulated for a long period of time so i think that that's going to change as well well yes in europe in march we've got novel foods coming about so yes it's about to get more complicated and and i think the fda are also kind of moving in similar directions in terms of putting down some rules so it will be interesting on that side uh, the cbd and cannabinoid space wellness space let's say so how did you know how do these developments impact your business volumeds and you know what you guys are up to well as you know we grow our cannabis in colombia on our own farm it's the country where the plant can be cultivated you know, at the lowest cost in the world and then we manufacture pharma grade products at our german partners in their eu gmp facility yeah and i was very fortunate to meet my german partner several years ago which very much has shaped my own thinking about yeah you know, what to do with volumet and where we wanted to compete because most of the industry in colombia at that point in time was focused on being low cost and that was kind of very obvious in some form but it became clear by speaking with the germans who are true pharma guys that you know that on its own just having a low cost product in pharmaceutical markets where you need to have eu gmp quality you need to dominate the regulatory landscape uh, wasn't was necessary but actually not sufficient and probably not even the first problem you're trying to solve i think the first problem you're trying to solve is actually having a product which a passes the regulatory barriers you have and b a product which is pharmaceutical grade if on top of it it also happens to be a tenth of the price of what is out there i think then you have a real business but it's i think in this order and not uh, the other way around so i think for us uh, anush yeah we certainly don't pretend nor is it our ambition to be the next little gw however we do feel that the partnership with our german with our german company 
I think, lays the foundation to produce pharma-grade medical cannabis. And you know, we have the talent to generate safety and efficacy data without which I think, I personally believe, we won't have a business in a couple of years' time. So doing all that is hard enough. And fundamentally, I call it getting the basics right. I mean, the basic is, first, we need to have a product which is efficacious, which is safe, which is produced to pharmaceutical standard, then do it at an, a very inf- affordable price. If you have that, I think you're starting to have a business. If you then overlay on the uh, top of that your research and development, product development capability, I think you're starting to do something pretty unique. But listen, we're all young companies. The industry is, is small and you go one step at a time. Yeah. You mentioned pharmaceutical grade. And again, it might be worth recapping what that actually means and some of the, you know, without going into serious detail. But, you know, what, what are the high level things that qualify something as pharmaceutical grade compliance and verification, I assume, as some parts of that? Well, from a pure technical and quality management perspective, it's what you well known as uh, EU GMP. So good manufacturing practice is you know, at the cornerstone of producing medical products. For you to be able to do that, you need to have a quality management system in place. The products needs you know, have undergone safety studies. It needs to have been put on stability. So you need to be able to ensure to your customers that you know, the product, when they put it on the shelf, doesn't in some form change its you know, form and efficacy. So it's it's all it's a lot of data involved. There's a lot of regulatory stuff involved, which which therefore again is very different from a North American model, right? Where you go and harvest your plants and cut the flower and put it into the dispensary. You know, it is a very different setting, you know, in some form. And I think there, until now, there there is there are not all that many companies around who can do this. And certainly, cannabis companies who operate to EU GMP is probably by now what a dozen in the world, but no more. Yeah, so a exclusive club at the moment. So look, let's as, as for we kind a of, while. I would for say. a while, for yeah. A while. Well, it's it's just quite a lengthy process, which I assume has definitely been slowed down by COVID, right? So in terms of getting inspectors out to verify various things yeah that's just the practicality you no know, of some some sort of the regulators not being able to travel but i i think what i am seeing very often people think that you're know, getting you know, an eu gmp certification is a question of money and actually it is it, it, it isn't so much it's actually about management it's about quality systems quality philosophy data tracking data storage you know stability studies it's it is a managerial task. It's uh, you're not a financial obstacle, and you'll you have seen many companies with very deep pockets who have failed you know, at going at it for that reason. And and I think it's very hard to do unless you have pharmaceutical talent, you no, know, in your top leadership team. Yeah, I can imagine actually some experience of that would be very useful. Okay, so look, you know, as we round things up, what are you seeing? The future impact of this deal, we, do you think there's going to be more similar deals that come in? It feels like from the way you were describing it, there aren't really any kind of competitors to GW in terms of what they do. Can you see any other impacts? Well, there are there are a number, a particular also many Israeli-based companies here who, who are quite advanced in terms of cannabinoid research. And so there is like a second cohort, I would think, of people who are following this. They will need to... you know, Spend the time, have the access to the capital, and get the scientific talent in place to to actually replicate this. So I think what is remarkable or on the deal is 
a it wasn't a big pharma company who acquired GW, but it was a small pharma company who did it, and that's not surprising. I think big pharma, you know, is still working on the pipeline for for a while, and they will get into the game when there's actually a very broad addressable patient population. For right now, again, epilepsy is a you know a very disconcerting disease, but the numbers are still relatively small you know, from an economic perspective. So I would think that there's still years out till Big Pharma will do this, and, and probably the combination of Jazz and GW will be acquired at some point in time by Big Pharma. But it's still probably still a little while away, I would say. And you know, what I think the implication here is, probably as I said before, is that the industry will start really separating more clearly of where it is. So you'll have a marketing business, which is the CBD guys and the adult use people. It's a marketing, branding, and distribution business. And you have a full research pharma business, which is what we just have been talking about. And then you have the guys, which are the medical fellows, medical cannabis guys. And I do believe they will very much have a place in the industry. And their place will be for the modern ailments, affordable product, and they will be able to you know, offer, I think, you know, a product which is, as I said, much more affordable than what you would do through a prescription-based, a pharmaceutically-derived offering. Brilliant. That's a great way to end the show. And thank you for the positive notes, which is good. Oliver, thank you. As always, really good chat and great to get the insights from you. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you, Anush. Be well and hope to see you soon again. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Oliver. Thanks for joining me for that hope you enjoyed it if you need any help navigating the cannabis sector whether it's legal advice fundraising strategy business development or just some general help please do get in touch you can find me on linkedin and at www.canverse.global that's c-a-n-v-e-r-s-e in the meantime enjoy your week and keep well cheers cheers